Hi, my name is Jess. I serve as one of the leaders here at the Point Church at Federal Way. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to one of our recent sermons. I hope that as you listen to this sermon, that you feel seen and heard and known by the God who created the universe. Here at the Point Church, that's what we strive to do. Make people feel seen, heard, and known so they see, hear, and know Jesus. I hope over these next few minutes that you truly begin to feel him and see him and know him. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to visit our website, thepointfw.com. Be sure to note, the point has an E at the end. We'd love to get in contact with you and answer any questions you have. All right, let's dive into the message. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Stephen, and I serve as one of the pastors here at the Point Church. And uh, I'm so thankful that you guys are here as we begin this new adventure, this new church, this new expression of God's grace and goodness in His body. And uh, man, I'm just I'm so excited to to jump into today's message, sermon, whatever. We're just going to kind of call it talking about Jesus. Uh, today, um, we, we really hope that you, um, as, as we open God's word that we call the Bible together, really hope that, that you do two things. First, we hope that you feel seen and heard and known by the God of the universe. That as we explore some of these uh, truths that he reveals to us, that you would really, truly understand the truth of him, that he sees you and hears you and knows you. And, and, and then the other piece is we, we hope that, that you see him and you hear him and you know him more. And every time that we open the Bible together, that's what we're striving to do. We're striving to see him and hear him and know him better. Today is a great day in the life of the Point Church. It, it's the day in which we begin our public ministry to the city of Federal Way. It's the day that we begin to invite others into this space to hear the story of Jesus and to feel seen and heard and known by him and, and by us. So ultimately that they will see and hear and know Jesus. The story of Jesus is pivotal to all of human history. We delineate time literally based on his birth. He's the basis of the world's largest religion we call Christianity. The Bible, which is his word and, and, and the stories about him, is the number one selling book of all time. Pretty much, Jesus is a big deal. One of my favorite aspects of the story of Jesus is that what we know about him is captured in four books that we call the Gospels. Now, they were written by three of his best friends and, and one guy who interviewed all of Jesus' friends and followers so that they could know more about him. Three of these accounts are very similar. Over 90% of the stories and teachings are repeated in them. We call those the synoptics. And then there's this... This other thing, this other story, is John's story, and it couldn't be more different, really. And I love this about John, and it's one of the reasons that the Gospel of John is, is my favorite book of the Bible. It gives this very unique perspective of who Jesus is. It contains encounters that Jesus had that were are found nowhere else, but that seem really pivotal to understanding who Jesus was. It contains probably my favorite verse in the Bible, 
one in particular that uh, is my favorite. That's not my my total favorite, but probably one of my favorite is uh, is at the very end. It's just a few days after Jesus had died, and a woman named Mary found that Jesus was em- that Jesus' tomb was empty. She goes running to tell the disciples, and they come running to see if what Mary said was true. Now, this is captured in other versions of the story, but but one key detail is included here in John that makes me laugh really hard. In John chapter 20, verse 3, it says, At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. So I, I feel like John has read the other accounts of the empty tomb. And he, he thinks that they missed one key detail. You see, the other disciple is John himself. And so John here describes a race between him and Peter. And I feel like he read everyone else's account. He's like, nobody's going to talk about how I smoked Peter in a foot race? Really? Let me fix that. Pulls out his quill and begins writing. I mean, this, this detail has no bearing on the story as a whole, but it just kind of, it highlights the different perspectives and emphases that each of these writers have. And you might be asking how we can get such a, a different account of Jesus' life if all of these guys knew the same Jesus. Well, I decided to run an experiment to show what it looks like for four friends to describe one of their friends. I asked four of my best friends to describe me and describe their relationship with me. And then I asked them to kind of sum up like what message I try to teach people. Now, before I read the results, let me say this very, very clearly. There were plenty of insults thrown around before they were really nice. There was insults about my dress and uh, my my fantasy football prowess. And uh, I was reminded about the times that I forgot lines on stage while in a performance of Grease. And, uh, you know, they just, they honestly just, they, they kind of torched me. It was a little work to kind of get them to say nice things. So it's not like my, my friends just give me this sickly sweet uh, description of who I am. But, but... Eventually, they did kind of have some very kind things to say, so I, I, I'm not going to read, like, bore you with reading all the mushy parts of it, but I will give you some of the highlights. My friend Austin highlights my direct nature and blunt honesty while maintaining my ability to be empathetic. He describes me as his brother. He summed up my message as teaching about discipline and determination and finding and wielding the strength within you that God created you with. And being who God created you to be. Brennan describes me as an anomaly that became an unexpected friend through another friend. He describes me as an open listener, treating others with empathy even if we disagree on topics. He described our relationship as familial and comfortable. As for what he feels like I try to teach, he highlighted compassion and true giving friendship that selflessly gives without expecting a return. Now, Ryan calls me one of his best friends, claims I am passionate and smart, and that I think that I'm good at fantasy football. Yes, I did include one of those jabs in here. He says I'm supportive of my friends, and he calls me bold and honest, but kind in delivering honesty, and willing to get in the muck and bear friends' burdens. And this is what he feels like I try to teach people, how to bear each other's burdens. Now, I, I'm in no way saying that I am like Jesus, so this was not a way for me to compare myself to him, okay? I, I just want to be very clear about that. But I wanted to show that even though I'm the same person, 
the way people describe me is different based on who that person is and what we've been through together. Did you notice the similarities? Did you notice the differences? It's the same way with the biographies we have of Jesus. Each one reflects who Jesus was to each of these men, either personally or in the case of Luke, secondhand. Each account is also shaped by who they were writing to, whether their audience was Jew or Gentile, and even when they were writing. You see, the book of John was the last and the latest of the Gospels written, and there are a few different ways that scholars have determined this, and I won't drag you through all their scholarly reasoning, but one of the easiest is, is, is the language that was used. So how does language give you an indication of time, you might ask? Well, let's run a quick experiment here. If I were to describe a woman as having a lot of moxie, what time period would I probably be writing in? If you guessed the 1930s, you would be correct. The word is first traced back to 1930. So we could reasonably date the writing, uh, you know, the writing uh, to at least after then. Like no one would be using the word moxie as an adjective until at least 1930. Let's do another one. If I were writing and uh, I, I said that I didn't like someone and I, and I uh, expressed that by saying, Ugh, gag me with a spoon. If you're too young to know that one, uh, some of you Gen Xers probably do know it. Uh, but that was, that, that was a, in the 80s. In the 80s, this was a, a very popular phrase to say, like, ugh, I hate that. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, one last one here. Uh, this one I can relate to heavily. heavily. This is, like, really in my wheelhouse. Um, if, if I were writing and describing an interaction between two friends, and they greeted, greeted each other with a very loud and very annoying... What up? Could you place where that interaction was most likely talking? Yeah, it's late 90s, early 2000s. Um, if you can't remember that, you should count yourself lucky because that was a blight on American history. Anyway, moving on. John was, was written latest of the Gospels. And it's, it's fairly safe to say that he had read the other accounts of Jesus' life. This whole book takes on a tone of, here is what you missed when he read those accounts. So to make my experiment feel a little more lifelike, my first experiment that is, I, I allowed my best friend, Chad, to read what the others had written about me and, and then answer those questions in light of what he read. He expressed that that. Friend was probably too weak a word for what we were. We are more like brothers. But he saw, maybe because he's been my friend the longest, that many of the things that made me the best, many of these characteristics that my other friends had um, had described, there's, there's a reason, a very specific reason for that. And that reason is Jesus. Chad writes it this way. It doesn't come natural to Stephen, which is to say it's been built the empathy, the intellect, the vision. It's been cultivated from a closeness to God and to the people of wisdom and experience. See, Chad didn't disagree with the others, but he saw so much of who I am is because of who God is and the work that, that he has done in my life. And I think this is really reflective of how John wrote. His gospel is about going deeper into the why and not just the what of Jesus' life and deeds and words. The other three Gospels, they're, they're full of, of parables that Jesus taught. 
John doesn't contain any. The other have pretty clear timeline of events. John really doesn't group things chronologically. The others describe countless miracles that Jesus performed. John writes about seven and he calls them signs. John also included seven distinct statements of who Jesus is. Not only are they distinct, but they're definitive. We call them the I am statements. They're, they're very specific things about Jesus and who he claimed to be. John was writing with a purpose. He was writing to, to fill in the cracks, to explain the why. John focuses on encounters and discourses and prayers and conversations that Jesus had. He wants people to see who Jesus spoke to and how he spoke to them. How he loved people. How he experienced everything it meant to be human. John captures Jesus' first miracle at a wedding when no one else thought to include it. He includes an encounter with a Samaritan woman early on in the story that sets the tone for Jesus elevating marginalized people and groups and going out of his way to make people feel seen and heard and known. Later on, we see the complete humanity of Jesus when one of his close friends dies, a man named Lazarus. And then John tells us that Jesus wept and he grieved with his family, fully experiencing what it's like to be human and what it's like to lose someone we love. He even captures a moment when Jesus is offering his life for his friends while hanging on the cross. And then we see this interaction. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. John shows Jesus taking care of his mom. John proves over and over again that the man Jesus was, was a man that was worth following. A man worth learning from. And, and, and however, the real reason that John was writing had nothing to do with Jesus as a man, really. While John goes out of his way to show the man that Jesus was, John was convinced that Jesus, being a good man, a good rabbi, a, a good preacher, a good teacher, it wasn't enough. That it also wasn't what Jesus claimed to be. John, throughout his account, stresses that Jesus was fully divine, the Son of God. And actually, this claim begins in the first words of the book of John. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created, and that, that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world was created through Him, and yet the world did not recognize Him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John, 
who was Jesus' self-proclaimed best friend. That's literally what he first refers to himself. He says, I'm the one that Jesus, or he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. This man wanted people to know that Jesus was not just a man. He was God. There's no getting around that truth reading these verses. John was convinced that Jesus was not only the son of God, but that he was one with God. He was the agent of creation. God's becoming flesh, you see, weren't really unique in Jesus' time. And it wasn't unique to Jesus. Stories of God's taking on human form litter many cultures and religions all throughout time. So while to us this claim might be really shocking, maybe even impossible to believe, to an early first century reader it might have been palatable if not downright believable. However, there were some really obvious differences and some distance that John set Jesus apart from all of these other gods. See, two other gospel writers describe Jesus as coming into the world to serve and not to be served. And I, and I believe John set out to prove this to be true. In every interaction, in every conversation and prayer that we see Jesus, we see Jesus' agenda. The agenda to save the world. In fact, in one of the most often quoted and best known verses in all of the Bible, we see this stated explicitly. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to, to condemn the world, but to save the world through God stepping into the world, not to serve himself, but to save us. God taking on flesh to suffer and die so that we can live. There are no stories of old gods doing that because there is no God like our God. Our God is so distinct and so unique and so different. Jesus was not just another God from a pantheon stepping off of a mountain to come and indulge himself at humanity's expense. No, this was God stepping off of his throne to come and to seek and save the lost, to serve us and to redeem us. There's no God like that. And John was so convinced of this that at the end of his account, he writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Verse 31 here is where our message series gets its name, that you may believe. John is writing all of this so that we would believe in who Jesus was and what Jesus did so that we could be saved from sin and from death. The reason we have chosen this book to work through as we launch this church is for that reason as well. So that everyone who hears the series will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Over the next few months, year, however long it takes, we'll follow the story of Jesus through the Gospel of John. However, to really truly understand the story of Jesus and why he came and what he said and, 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 and to believe that he is who he says he is, we really need, we have to follow the story of Jesus throughout the entire Bible. 
So we'll spend a few weeks looking at John, and, and then we'll jump back into Genesis. And we'll discuss creation and the entrance of sin into the world. As we go back into John, we will see the effect of sin and a fallen and broken world thousands of years later. As Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well. And then heals a man who has been crippled for 38 years. We will track the story of Jesus from the beginning of the world all the way to him ascending into the clouds. We will examine the prophecies of his coming. Our need for Jesus through following the people of Israel and their desire to have someone that would save them that wasn't God. And we will believe what I believe is, we will build what I believe is a firm foundation on why I put my faith in Jesus and why I believe you should as well. No matter where you are in your faith journey, I want to invite you along with us as we attempt to see and hear and know Jesus. Are you a skeptic? Come and listen to the claims that Chris, of Christianity and what they really are before you make a decision. Maybe you're a seeker. Come, ask questions, and look for truth. Believer? Be encouraged to follow Jesus into a deeper relationship. Maybe you're a disciple. Come and see how to become a disciple maker by following Jesus' example. I want to leave you with this. Here at the Point Church, we exist to make people feel seen and heard and known. Because we believe we serve a God who sees and hears and knows us. I hope you felt this today. But we would really wouldn't be fulfilling what God called us to do without the second part of our mission. To help people hear, see and hear and know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're interested in who he is, I'd, I'd love to talk with you. I'm always available. I would love to have lunch or coffee. Do anything I can to introduce you to who Jesus is. This message series is so important to me, and I think it is important to the life of our church. I think it is essential that we build a firm foundation of belief in Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah or the Savior of the world. Friends, this journey will be fun. This journey will be hard. This journey will challenge us. But it will tell us who Jesus was and why we should put our faith in him. I think there is no bigger or better thing that we can do than to put our faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son. Jesus, the firstborn, the only begotten son of the Father, sent to save us, to redeem a fallen and broken world and to save a wretch like me. Thank you for his love and his compassion, for his empathy, for his willingness to get down in the muck with you and with me. Lord, I pray that you would guide us as we discover who Jesus is, that you would help us to build a firm foundation of belief, of faith in Jesus, 
and that we would fully trust him, that we would put all that we have, all that we are, and all that we believe in him. God, we love you. And we miss you when we cannot wait until you come and you rescue us, but until you do, Lord, let us seek to make people feel seen and heard and known so they see and hear and know you. In Jesus' name, amen.